1 Samuel chapter 29, and we're going to be taking a flyover of two chapters tonight, chapters 29 and 30, as we round out the book of, of 1 Samuel. After Saul's encounter there with Samuel, as he came away from the witch of Endor and started to head back now towards the Mount of Gilboa, uh, the narrative now turns back for the last two chapters really to David's life and what God is doing in him. And remember, David's not doing well. David is not living by faith. He's living among the Philistines. That's against what God wanted him to do. And he's lying to King Achish. And now he comes to this testing point of King Achish wanting him to come into the battle alongside the Philistines, poised at, at taking out the Israelites. And so David comes into the camp now, and all of these, these men, these lords of the Philistines, are all suspicious as this champion that beat them last time is coming in, and he's supposed to be on their side all of a sudden, and they're not having any of it. So what we're going to do here as we start tonight what I'd like to do is read the, the 11 verses of chapter 29 because I believe they're going to be a good introduction into what God has for us in, in realizing the consequences that are going to come because of David's sin. So let's read these first 11 verses. Verse 1, Now the Philistines gathered together all the, their armies to Apak, and the Israelites pitched by a fountain which is in Jezreel. And the lords of the Philistines passed on by hundreds and by thousands, but David and his men passed on in the re-reward with Achish. And set, then said the princes of the Philistines, What do these Hebrews hear? And Achish said unto the princes of the Philistines, Is not this David, the servant of Saul, the king of Israel, which hath been with me these days or these years? And I have found no fault in him since he fell unto me unto that this day." And the princes of the Philistines were wroth with him, and the princes of the Philistines said unto him, Make this fellow return, that he may go again to his place which thou hast appointed him, and let him not go down with us to the battle, lest the battle he be an adversary to us. For wherewith should he reconcile himself unto his master? Should it not be with the heads of these men? Is not this David, of whom they sang one to another in dances, saying, Saul slew his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And Achish called David, and said unto him, Surely as the Lord liveth, thou hast been upright, and thy going out, and thy coming in with me, and the host is good in my sight. For I have not found evil in thee since the day of thy coming unto me, uh, unto this day, nevertheless, the Lord's favor thee not. Wherefore now return and go in peace, that thou displease not the lords of the Philistines. And David said unto Achish, and we're going to find here now he's going to really try to draw this out. He says, But what have I done? And what hast thou found in thy servant so long as I have been with thee unto this day, that I may not go and fight a go fight against the enemies of my lord the king. Again, David's lying here. And Achish answered and said unto David, I know that thou art good in my sight as an angel of God, notwithstanding the princes of the Philistines have said, he shall not go up with us to the battle. Wherefore, 
Now rise up early in the morning with thy master's servants that are come with thee. And as soon as ye be up early in the morning and have light, depart. So David and his men rose up early to depart in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel. So here we see really the background now is set. He's still with me as, as they're marching in and, and, and he says, hey, listen, you've been an angel like an angel to me. And we know that's not true. David is anything but an angel when it comes to what he's been doing under the nose of Achish. And God now, as they are marching back to Ziklag with their families and, and children waiting for them, now we're going to see really the consequences of David's sin play out. So as they take this two to three day long journey, they're going to find the consequences of not listening to God by staying in Judah. And we're going to see that it's going to become very dark for David here. And I believe firmly that if he would not have went to Ziklag, if Ziklag would have never happened, none of, this would have, none of these consequences ever would have came to David. And in our own lives, God means to take the downfalls and the consequences in our lives to, to be times of furthering our dependence on him. And you're going to see that here in a moment. There's going to be something happen. There's going to be a recovery made. And, and we're going to see that it's more than just a recovery of physical things. Uh, Proverbs 24:16 tells us, For a just man falleth seven times, and what? Riseth up again. And that's exactly what's going to happen here. Downfalls and consequences are times that God means to be recoveries of faith in our life. As well as see a great as well as we're going to see a great recovery happen here in the life of David. So let's pray and we'll dive right in. Father, would you uh, protect us here tonight? Lord, don't allow any distractions to come our way. Lord, would you uh, calm our minds and and awaken our minds just from the, the the duties and different things of the day. And Lord, here tonight, allow us to see even in our life, where faith needs to be rejuvenated, where faith needs to be recovered. In Jesus' name, amen. Now David and his men are back in Ziklag. Imagine with me these men marching into this. They're ready to be done. They're ready to see their families. And then verse 1 happens. It says, And it came to pass, when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziklag had smit, and Ziklag, and smitten Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captives that were therein, and slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. And David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Can you imagine that? They're coming. They're ready to be done from three days of journeying. And now they come and they find their families are gone. The city is burnt to the ground. And David realizes this is because of my sin. This is because of the consequences of my sin. And you see in verse 6, it says David is greatly distressed. 
the Bible describes their emotions that they had until they had no more power to weep. You thought they were tired from three days of walking, three days of hiking through the mountains, the 50 plus miles that they had to travel. Uh, That's on hard terrain. And now they come and they've just lost it. And in verse 5, we pick up the narrative. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam of the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the wife of the Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. Now I want us to remember one more time here that this day would have never come had David said, no, I'm going to stay in the land of Judah where the prophet Gad told me to stay. I would have, if, if he would have listened to the Lord, this day in Ziklag would have never come. And what does God want us as God's people to learn from that? That when you disobey the Lord, when you step out of his will for your life and what he's very clearly told you in his word, there are always, always going to be consequences. Always. But I'm glad the verse doesn't end there. Okay, I love the end of verse 6, and maybe sometimes you've quoted this to yourself. I know I often quote it to myself, maybe during a discouraging time, or maybe when I'm tempted to get depressed about something. The end of verse 6 says, But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I don't know what transaction happened there between him and God, but that's enough to tell you that his trust was not in himself anymore. I don't know what he did, whether he took time to think on God or maybe he took some time to read some of the Psalms that God had had him pen, whether he meditated on God or even thought about the anointing that Samuel had given him years prior and the fact that he was one day going to become king. But whatever it was, this thing we know, that whenever life seemed down or rough, in this moment, David started looking back upward. He started looking to God, even when it was David's own downfalls that had caused him to get into the situation he was in. He knew that he could go to God and be encouraged. He knew that he could go and and be encouraged in the Lord. Why could David be encouraged? Why was that? Because God was faithful to forgive him. And we don't necessarily see a prayer of confession happen here, but we see by David's actions, we see a change of heart from independence to what? Dependence again. And humility before God. And that's really what what the change was. But see here, David was not the only one that needed to be encouraged. (laughs) It's one thing for David himself to be encouraged, but he's got 600 men around him that are very discouraged, very grieved, and are talking about stoning him. Okay, imagine that as a leader. You have that happening, and they're speaking about this. And now the narrative goes on in verse 7 as we find that David now goes to Abathar. Do you remember who Abathar is? He's the last of the line of of the priests that were associated with Samuel, again showing us that God's faithfulness, his, his grace and his mercy were active in David's life. And he goes to Abathar and he asks for the ephod. And he, he inquires of the Lord and he asks, God, should I pursue? And God says, pursue, and you're going to recover everything. 
And, but by now, when they're trying to pursue 200 of those men here in the passage, they're, they're so worn out. And verse 10 tells us that they can't even cross over the brook that they need to cross over. And so David says, you stay here with the stuff. And, I, and I'm going to take the other 400 men here. And we're going to go and we're going to win this battle. And that's exactly what he does. Along the way, they come across an Egyptian. An Egyptian man who was left for dead. He, he, he was sick. He, and, and, and his Amalekite master, again, the group that has taken and burned Ziklag. His Amalekite master has thrown him to the side, cast him to the side, left him for dead. And David and his men nurse this, this Egyptian man back to health and then ask him, could you tell us where, where the Amalekites have gone? And he agrees. He says, yes, if you'll only but spare my life and don't tell them that I was the one that told you, I can lead you to them. And so God uses this Egyptian to lead David and his men to where the Amalekites are. We pick up in verse 16. Go there with me. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon the, all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from, twilight, from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day, and there escaped not a man of them save 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. Now I want you to notice a key phrase that comes up twice in the next two verses. Okay, I'm going to have you read it with me. And read the next three words with me. David recovered all, exactly as God said. And the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that had taken uh, that they had taken to them. Read the last three words with me. David recovered all. You think God is emphasizing something there? I think he is. I think he's emphasizing that he kept his word. And that's exactly who our God is. He's faithful to forgive, and he's faithful to always keep his word. You can count on it. You can bank on it. And God gives David this mighty victory. And while David recovers all of this stuff, and yes, it was important for him to recover his, the, the wives and the children, but I want you to know that there was, there, was a, there was a greater recovery that happened even beyond all of that. There was a recovery of faith that happened. It was something much more spiritual for David and these men. And I, I, don't, I don't know the, all the, the heart behind the, the 400 men or the 200 men that were with this stuff, but God does show us what David's heart was and that a recovery was made of his dependence on the Lord and, and, and more importantly, just his relationship with God was now back where it should be. When God leads us as Christians through hard times, through hardships, or even as David was here, when, when God leads us, uh, when, when, when we cause a hardship by our own wrongdoing and our own, and these consequences come up, like David had happen here, God is looking for us to look up and to put our dependence back on Him so that a recovery of faith can be made and a recovery of dependence on God can be made.
now they come back from the battle here, and uh, they come back to that 200 men that stood on the shore. And uh, they were guarding all of the stuff uh, of the men who, some of the men who fought, the Bible calls them evil men, men of Belial, those who are worthless. Uh, they, They don't want to give any of the spoils to the 200 men that weren't fighting. Let's look at verse 22. Then answered all the wicked men and the men of Belial of those that went with David and said, Because they went not with us, we will not give them aught of the spoil that we have recovered, save to every man his wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. Then said David, Ye shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us, and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be with uh, be that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall part alike. And it was so from that day forward that he made a statute and an ordinance for Israel unto this day. Now that David's relationship has been restored, now that he has put his dependence back on God, God is able to continue maturing him as a leader. And he here is is giving and setting forth a principle that no matter what part is played in God's will happening, no matter if that that part is, is small or great in the victory of God, it's they all played an important role and nobody is diminished. Everybody partakes in the success that God gives. And you know, that's really an important thing when it comes to a ministry, when it comes to the body of Christ. You know, there are some, there are some positions you would say that are probably more out in front or just more leadership-like positions. And then there are other positions that you're, you're so far in the background, you know, that you don't feel like maybe there's credit given or, or, or things going, but you help the church run smoothly. You help that, that you know, just bringing treats on Sunday nights, doing, uh, uh, helping cut the grass, other things like this that are so, you think, oh, maybe it's just a really small thing. You know, to God, it's a very big thing. And, and, and to the body of Christ, it's a very big thing. People don't often know what you do, maybe, but if you, as you're serving fervently and quietly, it's an important part. And both groups, God is saying, get to take part in the blessing and the success that God gives. They're all a part of the body of Christ. And the last part of this chapter here, chapter 30, recounts David giving all of these gifts to people in the southern part of Judah. Now, why was he doing that? He lists off several different uh, parts of the southern part of Judah. Those were all places that he was running through. He was running away from Saul. And I don't think David knew that Saul's time was coming necessarily or that he was going to die so soon, but he was showing forth the goodness of God and, and saying, hey, look, this, this is a victory that God has done. He was, I believe, taking the time to prepare in these days, uh, make relationships as he would one day not just lead 600 men, 
he was preparing for the calling of God on his life to lead a kingdom. And look at verse 31 with me. And to them which were at he- in Hebron, and to all the places where David himself and his men were wont to haunt. All the places where David was running from Saul. He shared of the success that God was giving him. He shared of the blessing of the Lord. You, know, you might never lead 600 men in your life. You might not even lead 10. I don't know. Uh, but, but God's heart for you is that you have a trust and a dependence on God, uh, a, a leaning upon his arms wholly, just like David did. And David here has now put his trust back in the Lord. And when he, when he encouraged himself in the Lord and he stepped back into God's will, he's like, I'm going back to Judah. I'm going back to where God had me in the first place where God had told me to stay, when he stepped back into that and started delivering all those gifts, guess what? Now God can start, can start using him again. And that's exactly what's happening. He can start to be a man after God's own heart now, once again. And that can be how it is for each one of us. If you've made a mistake, I don't know any, any of the situations necessarily in here tonight, but if you find yourself... Downfall, and you find yourself in consequences because of it, it's not a time to get discouraged and start running away, running away further from God. It's a time to look to God and say, Lord, this moment you want me to learn how to put my eyes back on you. God always is looking for in those times of downfalls, sin is really what it is, uh, consequences of our sin. He's looking at those moments in our lives to be recoveries of faith, taking ground back from the enemy. When we realize the light that he gives us when he exposes our sin, he wants us to take ground back from the enemy so that the enemy can't torment us anymore with that stuff. God wants each one of us to look up and to trust him once again so that we too can be men and women after God's own heart. Lord, I thank you for just the simple truth tonight in these last two chapters. And Lord, I trust you, Lord, to apply it to each heart specifically. And uh, Lord, would you, would you do that work even tonight? Just as you have your heads bowed and eyes closed, as we take time to come to the word of God here, I want you to have an opportunity to do business with God in your own heart. Have you viewed the hardships of your life? as inconveniences or opportunities to recapture faith and dependence on God, to, 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 to recover ground from the enemy is what God wants it to be. Maybe for you it's that God wants to teach you how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Maybe you don't know how to do that. And when there's no one around you physically to give you encouragement or strength like David was in his moment maybe God's teaching you you need to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord or maybe tonight God wants to mold you into a leader 10, 20, 600 or more and he wants you to, to learn that it's, it's, it's him that's going to be able to do that you don't need to look for credit or for notice but that God's people would move forward and that they would all experience the glory and the blessing of God in that moment. So 
whatever it is, just take a moment to do business with him, and then we'll go to prayer together here.